Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories, from breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings. It's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also absolutely love hearing from you. So please do contact me through Instagram at mumsdays, M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S with any of your stories um, and any thoughts you might have on the episode or any questions. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah. And today I'm joined by Katie. Hello. My good podcasting chum. That's chum, me, chum. the chum chum. <laughs> um, and I realise, Katie, I've never actually shared your Instagram handle. You do, all the time. Do I? Not on the podcast, actually, you're right. No, so Katie often comes on and we'll discuss live together from two different perspectives. Where can people find you on the internet? <laughs> so um, I guess the place where I'm most um, present is Instagram. Uh, and it's at Katie Wombling Free, um, which started as like an interiors account for when I was nesting, oh. unemployed and nesting and looking after my mental health. But it still goes on. So if you want to look at nice pictures of like bits of art I've put up in the house, that's the place to go. I am also on Substack, katiedawson.substack.com. So I write about my life and overshare there as well. Yeah, I love that. Good. After lis- re- listening, after reading your last um subset because you send out a newsletter once a month right yeah yeah of like really great things she's been reading and you read a lot and lit watching Mm -hmm. um your take on maths uk married at first (laughs) sight this year was so good i then immediately went and started watching it so oh that's nice that's nice thanks for sharing that no problem yeah it's a (sighs) guilty pleasure of mine well, has it been in the past, though, or is this no. your first one? Yeah, this is new, yeah. Can um, we blame Claire Venus for this? No, actually, no. It's um, my friend Amy's fault. She said to me, like, really seriously, like, I need to know if you're going to watch it this year or not. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And spent two days binge-watching 11 episodes, and uh, I think it was really bad for me. I was dreaming about the characters afterwards. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I like to do. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, my brother did something similar with RuPaul's Drag Race. Yep, that one's a good one to binge watch, definitely. Yeah, so a few years ago he was like, there's literally nothing more important right now than you watching RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. I, I, so I would agree. I did. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the, like, the last few, but anyway. No, same. Yeah. The reason I've got you here, Katie. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> is because I thought I'd talk to you about... The five worst things about divorce, Mm -hmm. but also the five best things. How nice. Yes, good. It's important to frame that from both sides. Yeah, because it's, there there are good bits and bad bits, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. Great. Are you up for that? Definitely. Let's hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, babes. Yeah, no problem. We'll talk it through. Mm. So, okay, starting with the worst, which I think is probably you know do you don't need to be getting divorced for yeah. these to be for either actually to be the case it's like a bad breakup which I know you've 
experience recently. Oh, so I've had a few of them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had loads of them. Mm. Let's go, go for it. Yeah, I think it'll relate. And this first one, I remember when I first split up with my first, like, proper boyfriend. Like, we'd been together about five years and it was coming to the end and it was not working Mm. and I remember just sitting and thinking I don't know who I am when I'm not with him yeah like I don't understand what I have going for me if I'm not with this person Mm -hmm. and I think that's quite a common feeling to have when you split up with someone who's been so integral to your life like you live with them you see them every day mm-hmm. so yeah that kind of identity crisis um who am I without this person is probably one of the biggest challenges mm. yeah definitely and, and it can leave you being trapped and being like oh I'm not gonna leave because who even am I yeah yeah I've definitely experienced that and, and not been through divorce but like I think you you become a we after a certain amount of time in a relationship don't you and it's we do this and we like this and then when you don't have that anymore it's like who is I I've made a vow to myself to never end up in that situation again really like, yeah because it's like so important to make sure that you've still got your identity when you're with someone else I think because otherwise you do go through the identity crisis at the end of a relationship mm-hmm so it was probably that first relationship was the beginnings of codependency. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, how do I exist without this other person? Which was weird because we'd actually, we were quite independent. Mm. Like, he did his stuff. I'd been away to, like, I ended up in Japan for three months working mm. at Tokyo Uni. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happened because <laughs> I definitely didn't do much for them. But, you know, I was away. And when I came back, he was like, I didn't really miss you. Oh, wow. Which was the beginning of the end, obviously. Mm. Yeah, great. But even so, even though we had lots of different interests and didn't spend all our time together, I still had that identity crisis. Yeah, you know, that's funny that you say that because I'm like that as well. Like, I've always been an independent person who's done my own things and had my own friends. And yet still, when you come out of a relationship, it's like, who even am I anymore? You know, maybe that's just a natural thing that happens, part of the grieving process. Yeah, like you're losing something significant whether they're in your pocket or not. Yeah. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I re- that's definitely a big bit. Um, obviously, another thing is the general shock. Mm. Like, like, it is a trauma. Yeah, it is. I know it's not the same as, like, it's not death or, you know... Um, a serious accident or an illness or something, but it still feels traumatic to your brain because it's change. Mm-hmm. Change is traumatic, isn't it? Especially if it's um, a breakup that you've been blindsided by, you know? like Oh, God, yeah. Mm, if it's something that you weren't expecting to happen, it can hit you just as hard as any of the other things that cause trauma, I think. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you're so right. Mm. You know, women have reached out to me because of this podcast many times and it's like... He's just left. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Like, I had no idea that this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that but state of shock. To do now. Yeah, that state of shock can last ages as well. Like, you end up like in fight or flight. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I think when you're in that bit, 
the the roller coaster of emotions mm. is just there's not much you can do other than just ride the wave and yeah. try not to what's the word go off the rails I think mm. I want to say too much mm-hmm. like try not to lean on very unhealthy habits mm. yeah try not to spiral I guess yeah mm. like really go back to basics mm-hmm. yeah. have I brushed my teeth have I eaten meals? Mm-hmm. If you've got kids, what are their basic needs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being present. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the, a really good podcast we did was with Leanne Bennett. Um, oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Episode 28, and she talks all about kind of mental health and divorce. Um, and just covering that whole idea of like, how do you cope? Mm-hmm. When yeah. You don't know from one day to the next how you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to go easy on yourself when you're in that fight or flight as well. You know, like you've had something traumatic happen to you. And I don't think we give ourselves enough time to process that. You're yeah. meant to sort of just get back on with your life, but it's not like that. <laughs> yeah, mm. you've got to talk about it as well. Yeah. But it's talking about it in a healthy way, which can be tricky as well yes that's true there's times when I probably sat with my friends and slagged off my ex for like <laughs> yeah. much longer than was necessary yeah but whereas you know doing things like talking therapies I found really helpful mm-hmm. and at one point when I was feeling really traumatized I called my um therapist and I'm like I don't even know what to do and he's like you need to talk to your friends you need to be talking to people mm-hmm. yeah um and did you find it made you feel better when you talked about it with your friends? I think so. Mm. But you do feel like a burden. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to turn up and uh, tell you all the awful things. And mm. you need to be careful that people aren't like, ooh, drama and gossip. That's true, <laughs> yeah. But also, if it's making you feel better, they can think what they want to think, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know pretty quickly which friends that you want to talk yeah. to about this stuff and which ones you're like, I think I'll just talk to you about other stuff. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you do, you do know those. What's happened next? Yeah. I'm like, oh, you don't even want to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think at that point, my friendship circle got quite a bit smaller. And I was like, I'm just going to, you know, lean on the friends that are happy to hold space for this. Because mm-hmm. um, it is a lot, you know, if people are reaching out to me, there'll be times when I'm like, oh... I need to make sure that I'm looking after myself while I'm holding space for other people that are going through all this trauma. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, so as the person who's listening, you also need to try not to take on, especially as an empath, what's happening to your friend or whatever, mm-hmm. and make sure you do something nice for yourself afterwards so you're not carrying that around. Because, yeah. yeah, I mean, I hear some absolute horror stories, and afterwards I'll be like, oh, God, these poor people. Mm. And it's like, um, I think it's really hard knowing your own capacity as well <laughs> for that sort of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, because, you, know? you know, both of us are kind of problem solvers. Mm. Put me in a crisis and I will find you whatever it is you need. Yeah. Like, that's my comfort zone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is mine as well, yeah. But yeah. I kind of wish it wasn't. Yeah. Because it's also highly stressful for the body. Yeah, it is. Um. So yes, that whole roller coaster coaster of emotions, the sadness and the grief. Yeah, physically you don't know from one day to the next how you're going to feel. Mm-hmm. And the slightest thing can push you into panic attack, I found. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's so 
and then you'll blame yourself for that. So I guess it's about like going easy on yourself when you having a hard time when you weren't expecting to, like, because mm-hmm. it it's going to take as long as it takes for you to feel better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's not linear. So, you know, three uh-huh. years later, there'll still be times that I'm like, fuck's sake. Yeah. Not yeah. happy about this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing is, oh, we sort of touched on it before, but it can start to highlight addictions. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you're using something that isn't good for you as a way to distract yourself mm-hmm. yeah I think that's it so it's that whole I'm feeling the void who even am I yeah I'm just gonna shove some booze on this or bagels mm-hmm. would be my we've all got our crutches whether that's like drinking or eating too much or some people like exercise obsessively you know when they're really yes. struggling with something which is probably the least damaging one you know but then there's that as well it's like yeah acknowledging your crutches isn't it and yeah trying to moderate is very difficult when you're Mm. feeling terrible yeah you're like i'm gonna do this thing because then at least i'm not thinking about how awful i feel Mm -hmm. yeah and actually when you're in that feeling awful space that's the time when you really need to sit and cry yeah absolutely do you remember when my homework I had a life coach <laughs> when I was like <laughs> when I first left I called this life coach and I'm like she wasn't a life coach she was a business coach I was like I've written a book I want to get a book published oh and um yesterday I left my husband of 12 years and she's <laughs> like holy shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think after about a month of seeing her she was like okay I was like obsessively mapping out my week to the point where I was writing when I was going to have a bath, when I was going to drink a coffee, uh-huh. just to get some control back. Yeah. And she was like, your homework next week is to do nothing, none of these things, and stare out of the window. Yeah. And that was when, like, finally I started, because I cried before that. Mm. I cried for the children. Mm. But I never really processed what I was feeling. Uh-huh. I don't think you can force that either. You know, it needs to you just... You can sit. You say this about writing. I'm like, you can sit your ass on the front <laughs> of a laptop, yeah. put your fingers on the keys and words will start to appear. Yeah. And it's the same for crying. That's true. All I had to do was look out the window for like two minutes and then yeah. all of a sudden I was like, oh! <laughs> yeah. No, what I mean is like, I don't think you can force it, but you can definitely give yourself... You, d- you can definitely, yeah, you can definitely avoid giving yourself space to do that and you can definitely give yourself space to do that and yeah. I often find when you do give yourself space to do that, it comes out. Yeah, although I have spoken to other friends about this because I've said to another friend, I was like, you need to just sit and cry, let it out and she's like, oh, I've sat and like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I mean, like, you just got to keep trying until it comes because it will. Yeah, mm. but I'm a very watery person, so... True. Crying comes quite easily for me. Mm-hmm. Want to give us a little tear? I couldn't right now. Okay. I mean, I might later. We'll see okay. how we go. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> I probably could actually. Have to oh, no, don't cry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I don't want you to cry. <laughs> oh. Um, fear around being alone. Oh, yeah, that's a biggie. In brackets, forever. <laughs> Dramatic. Yeah. Mm. That whole feeling of like, you've got your whole life in front of you. And I remember thinking like, who the hell is going to want me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I'm not trying to be like a big hood or anything, but 
back in the time, I was literally thought, I'm turning 40, I've got two kids, I'm just a massive, like, I'm just somebody with loads of baggage. Yeah. And no one will ever want me. Yeah. I think that's a, um issue with society, isn't it? It's like, you need to find, and and the, the happily ever after narrative, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, you need to find your Prince Charming when you, in your early 20s, marry him, and then that's who you're going to be with forever. But actually, people find love at all ages. Like, it's definitely do. not... Like, and circumstances as well. Like, it's nothing to do with um, whether you're a desirable candidate or not. You know, it's about finding the right person. And even before that, the issue there wasn't anybody else. It was me. Well, that's true as well. Who the hell's going to want me? And it's because I couldn't see it myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that whole process of working through who I am, who I am on my own, what I'm into... um, yeah, and I was at 37 at the time. Yeah. So it wasn't... <laughs> well, you old. weren't a whole 40. Not gone, a whole, but like forbid. I am now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, I know, because... You, I but mean, looking back, you sort of laugh at yourself, like, of course, you're going to be fine. Yeah. No, but even, like, even for me, like, going back to dating now at 32, I'm like, oh, well, everybody's already married. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's just natural for that to go through your head, I think you know yeah and actually touching on the whole idea of dating like even when you are ready to start dating it's a bit of a minefield at this age I think yeah more so than it would be if you were in your early 20s yeah I think so yeah or even later on yeah once you get to like 50 I don't know like I couldn't even really say but we'll say around the 50 bracket Mm. you're probably not going to want kids anymore no that's true the kid thing is a big thing so people that I might date now, you've got one half who are maybe my age but have never had kids but would mm. like them. Mm-hmm. Or you've got somebody who's got lots of kids. Mm-hmm. And doesn't want any more. And doesn't want any more. I mean, I personally never want to have a baby inside me again. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I know, and, and that's such a strong... Like that's that's really important to you, you know. It's like when you if, if you're doing if you're trying to find your partner when you're in your early twenties, you got the whole life whole life ahead of you, got loads of time to make a decision about whether you want to have a kid or not. And like when you do it later on, there's then this big sort of elephant in the room, which is about whether you have kids or whether you don't or whether you want them or all of that to consider as well, you know. And it has to be dealt with there and then, doesn't it? Yeah, mm. yeah, it kind of does. Like, if somebody knows that they definitely want kids, you should not be dating. Or they definitely don't. Yeah. On the subject of people that I have dated. (laughs) Yeah, or if you have kids and they're like, I don't want kids, that's like a red flag, you know? Well, we live and learn, don't we? We do live and learn. We live and learn. (laughs) (laughs) Lived it, learned it. Mm. Um, You can't change people. If they tell you something about themselves take it as red yeah like mm-hmm. you can't change them and don't try no i know which is something that i do yeah mm-hmm. i'm like i'll change your mind yeah same i think that as well whereas like you and you don't even want that person that you think you can change <laughs> like it's no yeah, it exactly work. um and the other thing at this age is everybody you date is somebody else's ex that's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, but 
everybody, I suppose unless you're 16, everybody is somebody's eggs, you know? But there seems, there's more to play for now. Yeah. Like, so I went on a date with somebody, came to, came to my house to pick me up. We went down to the beach and then went for a meal. Um, and then he told me the next week that somebody who knew his ex uh-huh. had seen us. Oh, yeah. And told his ex that he'd been out with some blonde hussy. Ah, yes, you, the blonde hussy. That's me. <laughs> but I was like, this person lives on my street. Yeah. And that's what they think of me. Yeah. And that's been, obviously, it's all word of mouth and Chinese whispers. Yeah. But and the it only made me feel that, very sad and uncomfortable. Yeah. And the only reason that they've said hussy is because you're on a date, which is, like, that's... But if it you was know, a man, then they wouldn't. Yeah, they wouldn't have say been like that. some blonde. Uh, what would you call a male hussy? Is there a word for it? Player. Um, yeah, player. Yeah, or yeah, that's it. Or, Who the hell um, would say fuck that? Boy. Fuck boy. <laughs> some blonde fuck boy. <laughs> yeah, that's who I go. But out they with. wouldn't say that. They, they wouldn't, wouldn't say it. And I just think I just was like, that's such a blur thing to say. You know, I'm a single mum living on a street with my kids. Mm-hmm. And somebody on my street would describe me as that. I know, it's horrible. That's horrible. I'm sorry that that's happened. Thank you, Casey. Mm. Like, it's fine. I'm over it now. But it did make me think, like, oh, God, some everybody is somebody else's ex. Mm. So you're naturally walking into a potential conflict situation. Yeah. When you date somebody new. Well, and especially when you live in a small place, I guess. <laughs> like, I was from... A different town. Yeah. You just happen to know somebody. But I think when there's children involved, it's always going to be a bit hairy. Uh And obviously the other person's um, ex-partner will always be involved in some way. Uh Yeah, they will. Which is different to dating in your 20s. Yeah, it is, because a lot of people do have kids when you're dating later on, and that's something that you got to consider. The whole blended family thing. Mm. And my other experience of online dating is there's a lot of people who have not dealt with their the emotional side of their life. Yeah. Yeah, there is. But less of them than there would be if you were dating in your early 20s. Yeah, got no problems then, have they? Well, yeah. They've been through the trauma of... They may have no problems, but if they do have problems, they certainly haven't dealt with them yet. No, but you're both the same. You're like, hey, let's fuck up together. Yeah, yeah, true. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas later on, I think there's been, you know, 10 years later, there's you're heading into midlife crisis Mm. territory, Mm -hmm. which is notorious for needing a bit of therapy and a bit of help and a bit of considering what you want to do with this next phase of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Um, and some people are not there yet. Or they want you to come and fix them. Yeah, yeah. They want you to come and do that. Do it for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, yeah, the whole... Th- I should say the dating side of things is definitely the worst. Yeah. But obviously it can be the best, too, if you meet the right person. That's true, and it can be quite exciting, you know. Um, yeah. But that... Um, it's more it's all, that's on my best side yeah I was well. going to say that's, that's Don't, hold that thought okay yeah sorry <laughs> continue before we go into the uh, the excellent side of dating um, oh the massive one 
is obviously when you're the worst bit of divorce is the fighting stage yeah and conflict and going to court um all whilst feeling sad or um grieving something that you didn't want to be over mm-hmm. it can make you know you very angry mm. um and potentially use things to try and hurt the other person yeah make you somebody that you're not normally yeah mm. and yeah. more anxious because you're going through all of that kind of fighting stuff mm. which even if you're you know if you're going to fight or flight and you prefer flight or freeze mm. to actually stand up and be like no these are the things that I need in yeah. order for me to be able to move on is like just sickening yeah and there's not all that many situations in life, really, where you have to take it to court, you know, is there? I mean, it feels serious. Mm. There are lawyers involved. There are... It doesn't have to be a conflict. No. But more often than not, if someone is being left and they didn't want to be left, mm. they're going to kick but, out. Yeah, there's going to be a fight, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's harder because it's your partner. And they know you better than mm. anybody on the planet, so they know how to um, inflict wounds as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it tends death. to be kind of a cycle as well. It'll be, they'll be nice. Mm. Then they'll be wounded because you didn't do what they wanted when they were being nice. And then they'll really lash out and be horrible. And then it will go back mm. round again, mm-hmm. probably on both sides. Yeah. And I think tapping into your own empathy and being like, what are they going through? Is a helpful thing to do. Absolutely, yeah. But really fucking hard. I bet, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It must be really hard to think about the other person's feeling. Um, But at the end of the day, you're both going through something horrible, aren't you? Yeah. And the absolute worst thing, which would make six worst things, but we'll just pretend it's five. Okay. Is (laughs) managing the kids. Yeah, yeah. Like worrying about them and their mental health and trying to keep things... Like smiling when you want to punch somebody in the face. And I know. I, do, I honestly don't know how you do it. Like, <laughs> well, it's done now. It's fine. Well, yeah. But at the time, it was like, ah, oh, this is properly crap. And you yeah. feel guilty as well. Yeah. For them, that was the main. I remember the next day after leaving, I was like, oh my god, my kids. Mm. How can I put them through this? Yeah. But it's also the best. Course thing as well because yeah. they get to see what it's like when you stand up for what you want and what you need and you put your needs ahead mm-hmm. and they need that example in their lives otherwise they will put up with stuff as well definitely so those are the worst mm-hmm. good um the best thing uh i've put freedom mm-hmm. which obviously feels like a double-edged sword yeah if you don't want it is shit mm. but if you can learn to embrace it and start doing what you know what you couldn't do when you were in a relationship it's like the most amazing feeling yeah and it's it's that's funny that you've put that as one of the best things um to come out of getting divorced because a bet if you're in a different relationship it wouldn't necessarily feel it would feel freeing to be in that relationship you know mm-hmm. as opposed to coming out of it does that make sense yeah um so that's obviously a sign that you've done the right thing here not that you needed reassurance yeah. of that but you know what i mean yeah i guess it's the di- 
the feeling of being like in something with yeah. somebody and then if that's suddenly taken away mm-hmm. how you embrace the space around you is a yeah. really big deal mm-hmm. and it you can make it positive yeah absolutely cocoon yourself for a little while in your nest mm-hmm. and soft furnishings we've mm-hmm. discussed before mm-hmm. but also being like what how can i make the best of this mm-hmm. um a big thing for me in the relationship was i felt like i never had any time for myself mm-hmm. i would have to get up at 5 a.m if i wanted to do anything like work related because there was just so much going on and it was obviously in lockdown and mm. three kids a dog three cats <laughs> Six yeah. acres of land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. That sounds like a lot. A husband with issues. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot. Mm. So what to get out of that situation, I was like, fuck me. I'm like, free. So yeah. the whole fight and flight thing was big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in flight and getting out felt amazing. Yeah. But also super traumatic. Yeah. So it's a really odd one. But now I can look at it and say, like, you know, um, this is my second point, actually, is the time. Like, I'm co-parenting, so I've got 50-50, which means mm. I've got a lot of space to do all the other things that I'm interested in. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. So that that is giving you freedom, really, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Freedom, time. And I don't, I'm not beholden to anybody. As yeah. long as I'm there for my kids when I'm meant to have them. Mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I can go away on retreats and tie people up if I want. You can and you will. (laughs) And I have. (laughs) Yeah, good. But, you know, equally, if you're with the right person, you can do that anyway. That's true. Yeah. So, and that that was my point. Like, you know, it obviously feels a freedom coming out of a um, relationship that you don't want to be in or that isn't working for you. But it wouldn't necessarily feel like freedom if you're with the right person. Yes. And I actually think a lot of this is to do with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think if I'd said to my ex, I'm going to go on this retreat, he would have been like, great, go on then. Yeah. But in my head, I had to be this particular person, Mm -hmm. which kept me trapped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I talked about it in um, the fairy tale episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. which was way back when, couldn't tell you the name. We'll put it in the show We notes. will put it in the show notes. But it's that idea that actually, how much are you trapped because of the relationship and how much is because of what you think you should be doing? Yeah. And how, you know, what we're controlling ourselves. Mm. Um, so I guess you can take the same ingredients and make loads of different cakes yeah yeah <laughs> it's up to you yeah it's up to you yeah which one you want to go for mm-hmm. and that takes time yeah when you're really really sad it takes time to be like oh, i'm so grateful for this time and freedom mm-hmm. because yeah. of the identity crisis well think, yeah yeah it's never gonna feel like that straight away no mm-hmm. or it might do one day and the next thing like, you panic yeah exactly yeah you like you said before it's not linear yeah it's like you're up and down all the time um the next one put is independence mm-hmm. like i say like you can do whatever you want now yeah and it's really nice to be independent actually i feel like i've never properly understood how to do it because i went from one relationship to another mm-hmm. 
But that's like you say, you're putting your own self-imposed rules on yourself to be with your partner and not do anything individual there, aren't yeah. you? You know, So it's not necessarily to do with a controlling partner, but it is a nice feeling to know that you don't have anybody to report into. Like, There's nobody like who's going to stop you from... Not that they would necessarily anyway. I'm not doing a very good job of articulating what I mean I think here. we're both in a similar thing in that. We're saying it's not necessarily the other person in the relationship yeah. being like why are you not doing this with me yeah. which I know people do mm-hmm. they might be like why are you always off doing this that and the other and never spend any time with me mm-hmm. um but sometimes it's a self-imposed rule that we put ourselves under when mm-hmm. we're in a relationship mm-hmm. oh so we're together now so therefore we will do everything together yeah or I'll ask your permission for everything I think that's all oh, right to yeah be like, it oh, is, I'm yeah. gonna do this thing heads up yeah it's, is it going to impact on anything that we want to do? Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. And not having to do that is a really nice feeling, though. But learning it? how yeah. to do it. Yeah, that's like true. You do have to learn to how to be do independent. That. And, um, you know, when you're in a relationship, one person does their jobs and the mm. other person does the other. Like, that's what true. happens when you have to do all of the jobs? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can confirm it's sometimes a shit show it's a learning curve yeah (laughs) but then everything's done the way that you want it to be done which is really great as well not always katie okay well (laughs) it's for me there's no socks in my living room that belong to anyone else that's true it's really nice there's only mine Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) that's good that is good Mm. uh yes the dating yeah that can be the best thing it can be really fun really exciting um as well as all the other things we said before yeah yeah it's def- that one's definitely a double-edged sword but like that can help you rediscover a part of yourself again you know like um like a dopamine hit uh, yeah <laughs> yeah it can help you um feed into that dopamine cycle again that we're trying to avoid uh it does do that um, addictions anybody mm, yeah i love it <laughs> You do have to be careful with that one, I think. Yeah, you do. Um, but but when you find somebody that you like, that's a really exciting feeling as well. Yeah. Yeah, it is, definitely. Uh, even if it's, like, a short cycle, it's still, a, it's still nice. Yeah, it is, yeah. That initial, like, ooh, am I going to like this person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's quite fun. And mm-hmm. you do feel, I felt, that did make me feel younger. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. To be like, I've got this freedom to go and date people and yeah. meet new people. and Well, and it's quite like, um, you're like, ooh, I wonder what's coming next for me. You know, <laughs> that that's quite an exciting feeling. I do wonder, Katie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so the last thing that I put, that's the best thing, which, again, it's like the double-edged sword. But if you can embrace it and get the support you need, I think having this space to work out who you really are yeah is awesome Mm -hmm. and there'll be good days and bad days but you've just got to ride it and Mm -hmm. and learn through the bad days and enjoy the good ones Mm -hmm. and I think once you've been through that journey as well you end up with a much better sense of self don't you yeah yeah for sure oh this is me actually I am all right yeah somebody would be lucky to be with me yeah exactly um maybe like a new lease of confidence mm-hmm. and yeah you get to ex- 
explore exactly what you want and how to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's just you. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, the greatest love affair with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> There's definitely some quotes on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But self it is love. true. Yeah, mm. self love and and making new friends again. Yeah. Because you've got space to do these things. That's true. Yeah, there's loads of space involved, isn't there? Which yeah. is nice. It's nice to have that. It can feel daunting, but if you can explore it and fill it with things that aren't just bagels. Yeah. Well, so I don't necessarily fill my space with new friends, but I do um, read a lot, like you yeah. noticed. Um, and I listen to loads of podcasts and like I am expanding my mind. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have time to do that before, and that's really nice. Yeah. Mm. I wonder if we have learnt lessons when we do go into a new relationship. Yeah, definitely. That we can, if you see me start being like, oh, I can't. <laughs> be like, Hannah, go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's come back to this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, thank you, Katie. Yeah, thank you. I enjoyed that. Me too. Hope it was useful. If you've got any um, thoughts on what you think the best or the worst things are, then do get in touch. Yes, please do. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye. All right, then. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah Harvey. It would be wonderful if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you have a friend who might enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me either through Instagram at Mumsdays or my website, mumsdays.com.